This morning, I want to go back to two weeks ago, and uh, two weeks ago, we, we, I started a message called Don't Lose Heart, and uh, in, the, in the letter to the church, at, to the Christians at Ephesus, Paul, as he often does, had, uh, had started the letter with, with, with laying foundational truths, doctrinal truths that, uh, that the Holy Spirit had taught him, that God's word was validified in God's word. And he, and he starts his letter off to them in, the same, in, in much the same way of telling them uh, who they were in Christ. And indeed, that, that he talks about being in Christ in him. And he talks about that, what God had done. He talks about what Jesus Christ had done, what the Holy Spirit has done in their lives. And as he began writing that foundational truth, he, he penned in the letter to the Christians there at Ephesus in the first chapter, he wrote a prayer for them. And that first prayer in the book of Ephesians was a prayer for enlightenment. It was a prayer that they would know and understand all that, they, all that God has done for them in Christ, who they are in Christ, what the, what the benefits, what the blessings that they have of being in Christ and Christ in them. As he continued writing in chapter, on in chapter 2, and then as he, as he comes to the middle part of the letter here, he's also, as he was writing, now he's moved, not that they would know who they are and know what they have in Christ, but he's moved to pray for a, a prayer that I call a prayer of enablement, a prayer that, they, that, would, that God would help them to live out who they are, now that they know who they are in him, that this prayer would equip them and prepare them to live that out in every area of their life. So he prays for them to know uh, uh, who they are. Then he prays for them to be able to walk this out and live this out. When he gets down to verse 13, he says in chapter 3, he says, uh, wherefore I desire, he, he's told him, he said, now I'm writing this from prison, but I don't want you to get... I don't want you to get discouraged or upset because he said it's God's part of God's plan. And he's trying to explain that. When he gets to verse 13, he says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations. Now, another translation there says, I don't want you to lose heart. So Paul's prayer now for these Christians in Ephesus is that, that God, the Holy Spirit, would, uh, would, would awaken and would stir up and would help them to, to, to be able to, again, face and walk out their, their Christian life with their whole heart in it. Indeed, today we talked about that, uh, that when your heart's not in something, you're not going to get the best result. And, 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 and when your heart's not in your Christian walk or when your heart's not in the ministry that God's called you to, uh, it's not going to be the desired result that the Lord wants or that you want to see there. And while Paul's concern for this Christians there was that their leader, their spiritual leader was in jail and they didn't know if he was going to be, if he would be released or they didn't know. I mean, it's humanly speaking, uh, his life was at the whim of godless men. They could, uh, they could have him killed as easy as they could turn him loose. And so uh, his concern was that they not lose heart. And we talked about how the, the, the appropriateness and the application of this prayer, not only for the Christians in Ephesus, but for you and me today, that there oftentimes there's a lot of things in our lives that can come our way unexpectedly. Phone call in the middle of a night, uh, a doctor's appointment, uh, something happens that can, cause, that can cause us to get weak in our knees, faint-hearted. King James uses the word faint in verse 13, that you don't faint, or can cause us to lose heart. 
We looked at some of those things. Disease. We talked about, I mean, we're looking, praying for Don and Patty Cummings and just, I mean, just a matter of short period of time. And then how that some have been going through uh, struggles for debilitating disease for long periods of time. Disease can wear you down, cause you to get discouraged, cause you to get tired. Debt can do the same thing. People can get so overwhelmed, they see no way out. And death, all these things can, can cause us to lose heart. And now God is praying that in the midst of all this, that uh, Paul is praying that God would help them. And as we looked at this two weeks ago, we looked at, at how uh, even the very first thing he does is he mentions that he bows his knees. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how that it was a, it was a uh, humbling of himself. It was, it was, a, it was a, uh, before, on his face before the Lord and the seriousness of the situation and the desperateness of it that God, they need to be strengthened and you're the only one that can do this. We talked about it and we looked and as we go through this prayer and kind of parse it out, it's almost like climbing, it's almost like climbing a stairs. I, I see this as that. Or, or, or climbing a ladder. It's like going up different rungs on the ladder. And, uh, and one builds upon the other, and you step upon the, upon the next one. The first thing he prayed for, he says, is that God would grant the, if the Christians there in Ephesus, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, we went to Corinthians, and we looked at Paul, Paul labeled, and Paul identified what he means by the inner man here. Paul in Corinthians, he talks about that while the outward man is perishing, and we all can relate to that. The outward man is, is our physical person. We see it. We wash it. We clothe it. We comb it if we got hair left. We pamper it. We take it to the doctor. The outward man feels the effects of mileage and age even wears and tears on it. But the, Paul says, but the inward man, the inner man is being renewed, it's being revived, it's being strengthened. And it's that inner man, it's that spirit of man where when we lose heart, loses sight and, lose, and, and is affected. And Paul is going to the very core of the matter and he's saying, God, if, if they've lost heart, if they're, if they're faint hearted, if their knees are getting weak, God, through your Holy Spirit, you need to strengthen them in their spirit. Start a work down deep. Now, I love his, his, and Paul uses this quite often. He said that, you, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. He uses this phrase a lot in Ephesians. And the definition there is, is that it is an inexhaustible, inexhaustible. You can't, you can't use it up. Is that the right word? You can't, it is, you can't use it up. It is an it is a endless supply and here he says, the riches of your glory. And he talks about the riches of his grace. And he said, God, you'll never run out. You'll never run low on it. And he says, I want you to strengthen them in their inner man. And as God starts that work, then Paul says, so that, that strengthening, this strengthening in the inner person, verse 17, is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And we talked about in the Christian walk, in the Christian life, Foundationally, it starts with an understanding of, of, of God's indwelling, the Holy Spirit living in our hearts and lives. Here the word is dwelling and he makes his 
habitation. He makes his home in our hearts. And as Paul prays for that, he says that it's by faith. Now, at this point, at this point, Paul is is praying, and uh, they, they, they're in danger of losing heart. They're in danger of, 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 of giving up. They're in danger of getting discouraged. They're in danger of, of being uh, affected by all kinds of lies of the enemy. And Paul is praying, and the work that he's praying may not, you may not feel any differently. This work in the Spirit and this work of Christ dwelling in us, notice what he says. He says that Christ dwells in us by faith. It's not by feeling. It's by faith that God's there. Satan will attack our feelings. Satan, we're vulnerable in emotional level. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with emotions. God made us as emotional people. Some of us more emotional than others. But when it comes to our Christian walk, that's why scripture says the righteous will walk by faith and not by sight. He's saying the just will walk by faith and not how we feel. Now, listen, all of you remember, I remember when I was a young guy and saved, and I remember that, that, that emotion, and I felt like I could attack hell with a squirt gun. Bring them on. You know, bring them on. But what happens to those emotions if we aren't careful? When we, then when we fail or when we sin, the enemy comes and he attacks us, and we don't feel worthy, let alone attacking hell. We don't even feel worthy to tell our friends that we're saved now. How can I tell them I'm saved? I've just, look, I've just messed up. I've just said this again, or I've just done that again, or I've just acted this away again. And Satan attacks us on that feeling level. And he tries to get us to walk by feeling. And the Christian walk, if you're walking by feeling today, I know what your ride's like. It's like a roller coaster. One minute you're up here, the next minute you're down there. He's swinging us around curves. Sometimes you feel like throwing up. Sometimes you feel like laughing. That's the, that's the roller coaster ride of feeling. But Paul said that Christ dwells in our heart. How? By faith. By faith in what? Faith is only good as the subject or the person or the, or the, or the thing that it's put in. He says that it's good by faith. Now, how does that work? It works this way. God's word says that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. So that it tells us over and over that we're like sheep. Isaiah says we're like sheep. We're all tend to wonder that God laid on Christ all our sins. Well, the scripture tells us that when we realize that, and then when we act on that, that God's told us, we put our faith in that. God's word says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us all unrighteousness. Romans tells us with the mouth, confession is made of salvation. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And when we put our faith into the facts and the promises of God's word, what happens? Then those feelings come along and we say, man, I feel like a load's been lifted. I feel like a new person. And we walk by faith in the facts of God's word. And so Paul is praying as he's praying this prayer, Lord, when they get to, when they begin losing heart, Lord, when they begin to get discouraged, God, when all these things, when, the, when they're facing these things of the daily life and Lord, these things happen, help them to, Lord, stir them up in their spirit and help them to remember who they are in you. Help them to remember that you are living in them. We belong to him. We're his. We're his. You mess with a child of God. I'll tell you what. You don't want to. One thing you don't want to do. You don't want to mess with somebody else's kids. I've, I've warned. You can really get in trouble quickly. Uh, you start messing with kids that aren't yours. And I want to tell you. 
We need to realize we belong to him. He lives in our hearts. And Paul, as Paul prayed for this, he prayed that as we realize this, notice this, that Christ would dwell in us by faith. And then in verse 17, and this is where we ended two weeks ago, that we being rooted and grounded in love, being rooted and grounded in love. Now this, when, as we get to this step, you, you may begin feeling something. Okay, I mean, God's Holy Spirit's been doing this work, shoring us up, and, and, and he's building it on the promises of God's word that we'll realize by faith that we are who he says we are. We are not who the enemy says we are, but we are who God says we are. And then he prays here that we would be rooted and grounded in love. And, 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 and Paul wants us to understand this. He wants us to understand, and he uses this, this picture, and the pictures that I get, first of all, of these two metaphors, rooted uh, first picture that came to mind is Psalms 1. The godly person is like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Uh, today, uh, we, we see there's storms will come, and we'll see trees that can be blown over. And the first thing you notice is the size of the root ball on that tree. And there's a lot of trees that are top-heavy. They've got a lot of show up here, but they don't, have the, they don't have the necessary root to sustain that. And when storms come, then they can topple over. Paul prays that we would be rooted and grounded. Those roots are a source of nourishment, and those roots are a source of stability. And he wants us to be rooted in the, in the love of God, rooted and grounded in love, in God's love, who he is, what he's done, what, who he is in our lives. And then the picture there, he says that we would be grounded. The picture that comes to my mind, and that is, I think it's from the book of Matthew. And it's the story of the, uh, of the wise man. That hears God's word and obeys his word. And he says, he who hears my word and obeys him is like a wise builder who builds his house and he lays a foundation on solid rock. And then he equates a person who hears God's word and doesn't obey as being a foolish builder. You know the parable, right? You know the story where they used to sing it, the wise man, the foolish man. And a foolish man Here's God's word, but he doesn't build on it, but he builds this structure. Now, both these structures from the, from the outside physically may look the same. They may have this appearance and they may be awesome, but, in the, but there's something that's different that the world doesn't see. There's something that's different that the casual passerby don't see. There's something that's different that if the, if the buyer is not aware of, may not see. That's why you get home inspectors like Jeff Over back there and say, come and check out the foundation of this thing. All right, because what happens is when the storms come, when the storms come, when the, when the winds blow, when the rain descends and the storms will come, listen, the storms will come into your life. They will come into my life. They're going to come into the lives of those who are rooted and grounded. They're going to come into the lives of those whose foundation is not on solid rock. They're going to come in all the lives. But the story in the parable in Matthew says when the winds uh, blew and the rains descended and the storms beat upon the house that was built on the solid foundation, it stood. It stood. When the, st- when the storms came and beat upon the house that was not built on a good foundation, what happened? It fell. And great was the fall of that. Now, Paul wants us to know he's, what he's praying for is that 
For us to handle all the storms that's going to, that, that comes into our lives, the things that throw us, we need to be rooted and grounded in love, in the assurance that God loves us, in the, in the faith that he's living in our hearts, in the, in the assurance that he has accepted us, and we are dear, and we are precious to him. And it's in that truth, it's in those facts. I love the new song, and Fred is singing, facts are facts. Well, God's word is truth. And God's word says that we get our identity in him, in him as a child of God, creator of the universe. We were talking about this in our men's Bible study a few weeks back. And I couldn't remember who it was, but it was uh, Bob Ayers is the one who, who, who painted this picture for us. It was awesome. We were talking about this. And we're talking about that, that being rooted in love and, and, and having access to our Heavenly Father. And, the, and Bob shared the story of, remember, J, John F. Kennedy. And pictures when, uh, when John F. Kennedy was president. And there's a picture there of, in, in the Oval Office. And uh, in the Oval Office there in the Capitol building, is the Capitol White House, one of those things. Uh, you, got, you got Secret Service men, right? They guard the president. You've got all the security around. Nobody gets to the president of the United States. They go, there's a process. You don't just walk in. But there, here's this picture, and Bob Ayers telling us, but he said, do you remember this, the picture there of John John? Isn't that what has the little boy's name? John John? And I can still see the picture in my mind. He had on those little shorts. Yeah, yeah. And John John walks into the Oval Office, the office of the most powerful man on the face of the earth at the time. He walks in, not a secret service man says anything to him. They don't go over and stop and frisk him. They don't turn him upside down and shake his little pockets out. He walks into that office and he goes over and he crawls up into the lap of the president of the United States. Now, why could he do that? Why could he do that? It's his son. And folks, God is our father. And we have access to him. And when the storms beat, and when the storms come, and when our heart, when we're getting weak need, and when we're about to faint, and if we've lost heart, we can come into his presence. We can crawl up in his lap, and we can say, Father, I'm scared. Father, what about the storms? And we can feel his arms around us, assuring us of his, of he's it got us. He's got it. He's in control. He is God of all, standing solemnly on the truth of, 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 of that Paul is praying for here, that we would be able to be rooted and grounded in his love. Now, look at this, look at this next rung. He prays now in verse 18, he prays that we would be able to comprehend with all saints what is the strength and the length and the depth and the height. He's, he's praying this, that we would comprehend, to, to, to know who we are in Christ frees us up so that we can love and serve others. When we've lost heart, when we've lost heart or when we're losing heart, we, uh, we, we tend to, to, to turn our focus inwardly, inwardly. And, uh, and, and Satan's one of Satan's tricks, and you're not aware, I mean, you're not, it's not new, we know this. What happens is, is, is when, we, when we're struggling is that Satan comes along and he, he tells us all a bunch of lies. He tells us how, you know, all these things and he tries to get us isolated. The picture is he'll try to get a sheep. The, the wolves would try to get 
a young sheep away from the flock so that they're vulnerable, so that they can, can kill it, so that they can destroy it. And the picture here is that, is, is, is that he says to us that we would be able, and I want you to look at this, verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints, with all saints. This Christian walk is not a, we don't walk it as a lone ranger. We don't walk it as a lone ranger. And as we, as we, as the work of the Holy Spirit in our spirit and by faith in our heart, and as we, as we are now coming back to the facts of being rooted and grounded in the truth of God's word and the, and the promises of that and the facts of that, then again, we're to the point where, where God said, hey, I need you. I need to use you. I need, I need you to minister into somebody's life here. I need you to, to love this person. Well, as we do that, then we begin to comprehend again the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of his, of his grace and of his love for us. It's all a part of, of, of that with all saints and the body of Christ. It's at this time in your life, a lot of times, when God will send somebody or send a situation along that, uh, that, you, that he gives you opportunity to minister, minister into. Now, up a lot of times, again, if we've lost heart and losing heart, we don't want that. We want to be alone. In fact, the truth, if it's really, really honest, sometimes we want to what? We want to stay at home. We want to, if we had our druthers, we'd stay in bed and pull the covers over our head and just, we don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to answer any questions about anything. We surely don't want to go to church and face all them smiling people and just act like everything's okay. You know, and we just, that, that's so Satan is operating on that level and God now is doing a work. He's, he's waking us up in our spirit and he said, Hey, I want you to strengthen them in their spirit, in their inner man. And he said, they need to grasp by faith who they are in you and where are you living in them? And as they do that, he says, then they're going to be able to, he said, I want them to be rooted and grounded so that the storms and things that come in their life is not going to discourage them. And then he says to help them comprehend, comprehend with all the saints, the length, the width, the depth, the height of the, of the love of God. Now, some people have talked about what this means, this acrostic there, or, or this, uh, this, this breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Some people say that's the four points of the cross. Uh, I, I don't know. I love what, what I think Paul may be thinking about as he's written this letter. In, for, in, in the very beginning of the letter, chapter 1, we call it. But in the beginning of the letter, verse 18, he says that the eyes of your understanding, this is a prayer. He's praying that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened that they would know what is the hope of his calling on us, God's calling. Do you realize Paul had just got through saying to them, hey guys, hey, hey followers of Christ, God has called you before the foundation of the world. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. Richard, uh, it was good to see Richard Stoltz last night in, uh, what's his wife's name? Huh? Betsy. Betsy, Richard and Betsy. And I told Richard, I said, Richard, the last time I saw you, man, you, you were in intensive care in Gainesville. Uh, it was, and, and you look much better than you t- did a few weeks ago. And I was reminded, and I told Richard, I said, let me remind you of Adrian Rogers made a statement one time, and I, I, I love it. Adrian Rogers is a great preacher, but he said, if you woke up this morning and was still alive, God still has a plan for your life. That's true. I believe that. I, I believe that God still has a plan for your life. And I, did you know, Paul is writing this to them, and he's saying, listen, before the very foundations of the world, 
God had a plan for your life. Listen, before God ever created Adam and Eve, he had a plan for your life. You see, God, God, God's not big into making halftime adjustments. He don't have to do that. You know, God didn't create Adam and Eve and said, oh my goodness, they're going to have kids. What am I going to do with all their kids? You know, how have I got, how, what, what am I going to do with these ones that, that, that how am I going to deal with this sin thing? If, if they disobey me, if I tell them not to eat the fruit, fruit of the tree, what if they was to eat it in the first place? What am I going to do? Well, I'll figure that out when it comes to it. Nah. Paul says that the, 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 when he's talking about the understanding of the, of the breath and the length, the breath is before the very foundation of the world. He loves you. He knew you. He's got a plan for you. Now, that's awesome. And not only that, look at the last part of that, verse 18. He says, and, and, and what is the hope of your calling? And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance to all the saints. And, and then, he, and then, and then he, he goes on and in and, and chapter 2, he's talking about this, this great depth that we were in sin. And he said, and God made us alive and raised us up. And where did he raise us to? He raised us to those heavenly places in Christ Jesus again. So Paul's praying for all this to be going on in our lives. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. First service, I didn't get to go near this, take near this much time. They had to listen very quickly. I want to I finish the prayer, and I want us to come back. There's two other, two other steps that we, need to, that we need to pick up on. Verse 19 says, he prays for us to know the love of Christ, which is past knowing. <laughs> Paul is praying for the Christians in Ephesus, these followers of Christ, that they would know the unknowable. We're going to look at that. We'll talk about that. And notice what he says. And he says he prays that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants us to be so full of God that God is running over. He's running over with, with, in, in us. What's that mean? That's, we're going to look at it. And then, uh, and, then, and then when he gets to that point, verse 20 and 21, Paul in writing this prayer, I believe Paul gets to this and he just, he just, Paul just looks at this and he gets almost gets overwhelmed. Who's going to do all that? You can't do it. When you've lost heart, you can't do it. When your knees are, when you're faint hearted, you, you know, you, you got this stuff, but he says, I'm praying for you. And, he, and not only that, this is what God is doing. And when we pray this prayer, there is, there is something so powerful about God's word and the truth of it and that truth built into our lives and incorporated into our lives. And then he just, he just bursts out. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen and amen. And Paul, just, I believe it's just, he, just, he gets a, a little glimpse of the, of, of the overwhelming greatness of Christ and what Christ has done for you and me. And if when we get just a little glimpse of that, it's overwhelming. Now, what I encourage you to do is, is, is be reading this, this prayer, Ephesians 3, 13 through 21, and uh, uh, read it. It'll do to read. It'll do to, to think on. It'll do to, to memorize. It's powerful. And we'll talk next time and finish this up, Lord willing. Father, just want to thank you for your word that's altogether true. I want to thank you for your word, Lord, that is like nourishment. You said to your disciples at one point, you said, you are the bread of life. You're the sustainer. You're the giver of life and the sustainer of life. And this morning, Father, we look 
to you and we look to you in the word of God and the truth of God. And Lord, it's in that, that this, this prayer that Paul is praying for these followers of Christ in Ephesus. And Lord, that we realize this is your desire for us, that we would be strengthened by your might in our spirit, in our inner person. And Lord, as you, as you do this, that we would realize that you live within us by faith. It's faith in the, in the truth of your word that you take your presence and you live in the hearts and lives of those who have put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, then that you, as you equip us to comprehend, to grasp, and to know, and to be filled with all the fullness, to, to continue to be filled with all the fullness of God, Lord, and we look at that and we see what you've done. Lord, it's not what we've done, but it's what you've done. And Lord, we just, we, we raise our, our hearts in adoration and lift our voices in praise for who you are and what you've done. Now take the word of God and by the spirit of God, make it alive in our minds and our hearts to who you are and who we are in you. In Christ, I pray this. Amen. Amen.